Hello and welcome to the Field of Design podcast for your news, stories and nonsense from the sports apparel and sports creative industry. My name is Mason and with me, the flying doormat, Nick Bassett. This is getting worse, Kit. And the smiling assassin, Kit Lushev. They're quite good actually, I think, Nick. So, At least call, me the, pre- mag- At least call me the magic carpet or something. You can do them next week, mate. You can do them next week, okay? Bearing the load. I want to be busy next week. (laughs) And um, we're recording a bit earlier this week and we're on on the clock because we're uh, already running late for a game that Nick needs to watch and not have any spoilers with. So we'll keep on flying through. If you would like to keep up with the visual references in today's show, you can by following the links in the podcast app's episode description. Otherwise, follow our Instagram at Field of Design Podcast for highlights from the show. You can also get in touch with us via our Instagram or via email at Field of Design Podcast at gmail.com. Let's get into the news. This is from FremantleFC.com.au. The iconic 3D anchor Guernsey was Fremantle's away jumper between 1998 and 2000, with the design to be brought back when Frio take on the reigning premiers under lights at Optus Stadium. It's um, they've done well actually, and I think uh, they've actually done pretty well with special Guernseys in the last couple of years. Um, this one was a bit of an odd one. It's sort of constantly thrown up as one of the uglier. Um, jumpers that have been worn in the AFL uh, and for that reason I quite love it so it'd be good if the Eagles could play in their ochre Guernsey from the same time period but I'm not sure we'll ever see that but um, good job Fremantle yeah as a remake it's good but as a design itself it's not my favourite the, the collar doesn't really suit it too much and um, I also was looking at, at the shop and they, they're going for $140, so I wasn't actually, you know, I was unaware that footy Guernseys had gotten that expensive. I thought they were sort of one fifteen, one twenty, but uh, $140, gosh. You don't least, even get sleeves for that. I was going to say, at least with rugby league, you get sleeves. <laughs> Just saw today, or I think it was released earlier in the week, but uh, Burnley's home kit for next season, uh, it's a bit of a... Nod back to a kit they wore in the fourth division in 1991-92 when they got promoted. Um, Pretty good little reimagining of an old kit, I think. Um, The classic football shirt sponsorship, which um, the CEO wanted to get them away from betting teams, uh, betting companies. So um, good little partnership there, bringing back an old kit for for the modern day. Uh, And I I think it's pretty cool. What are your guys' thoughts? Quite a strange template that it's on. Uh, yeah, the not sure pie sort new. of set and weird. That's weird. It's been yeah. around a season or two from Umbro. And that that sleeve trim looks like it's about three inches wide. It's massive, eh? Um, yeah. And then, yeah, the the sleeve sort of cut definitely goes too high, but the actual sub-design, I think, makes this a pretty good one. Quite a thick collar too. The sub-design's nice. I still probably prefer the old one, but... Good job, all in all, Mason. Yeah, I don't. I, I do like a, a nice thick band, but I nearly think this has probably gone slightly too thick. And color-wise, yeah, again, probably a little bit too thick. I think there's a fine line. 
Um, sometimes less is more and sometimes less is not enough. And I think this is slightly on the, the too, too much. Bands almost remind me of the exposed um, elastic on Adidas rugby jerseys of yeah, the last couple of years. What, that's mm. what I thought of as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the design element, the sublimated element itself, I, I quite like as well. It's not over the top. The, it's, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm looking at an image here that's got two different, Two different um, shirts on it. One seems to be a little bit more of a darker maroon, and one's a more reddish maroon. I quite like the the combination of that sky, that sky blue, and the the reddish toned maroon on there with the um, geometric grain uh, effect on it. So yeah, I think it's good as far as the sleeves go. I don't actually understand what they're doing with the the set in sleeve pattern there. Is that I don't know. Yeah, that's just something that's come up in the last year or so. Would movement in the arms be easier with the seam up high? I don't know. No, it just seems like it'd be more uncomfortable to me. Yeah, I kind of feel the same. That's too high, but yeah, the the sub-element of it works, I think. Um, And then Arsenal dropped their new away kit this week as well. black with a sort of AFC graphic inspired by the Arsenal lettering fans pass on their way to the stadium. Um, bronze badges, they've dropped the full badge and gone with just the, the cannon like they have on recent times with with their away kits. Uh, and this one's a kit of the year contender easily. Um, absolutely fantastic. I love this one. The The design is, is uh, in the weave of the jersey. So the it's not subbed it's it's part of the weave so um yeah the detail in this is is pretty crazy that's real impressive i didn't realize that it was in it was actually woven in um i really dig this this is definitely up there as a as a contender for jersey guernsey whatever of the year um i'm loving the the the, the bronze rose gold tint that they've got there you're usually not the biggest fan of um, those type of collars, are you, Nick? Uh, I don't mind a crew neck as long as they are the same color mm. as the shirt. I think it cheapens it a little bit when you put a different color. But the only thing that I would black works like this is near perfect in in my mind. The only thing that I would contemplate, and I know that we have banter about this all the time, but in all seriousness, the stripes on the shoulders, uh, I think they could have toned those down so that they're more, you know, closer to one of the the colors of the shirt weave, whether it be the black or the gray. I don't think that they needed to go with that more cool gray coal type color that they've got there. Yeah, I suppose it could be as dark as the, um, the grey and the design, eh? But um, yeah, I guess how do you their their view? Um, and I've just sent through an image. Sorry, it's a screenshot, guys. But um, you can sort of see the design and the weave of the fabric there. I was going to say I'm su- surprised to hear that that isn't sublimated. Um, I'd imagine that on the uh, on the cheaper replicas, it probably is. Yeah, yeah. On the uh, replica, it is on the authentic one. You can buy it in the weave, and um, similar to um, a couple many night shirts, I've got the the authentic is the design from the twenty one twenty two season was in the weave as well. And um, the design actually says AFC. 
in the pattern, which is pretty cool. I don't know if you said that, but um, yeah, yeah, pretty nice shirt for a pretty shit club is all I'll say. <laughs> um, just what that's the done. one thing they've got going for them, eh? As nice yeah. kits every year. So what they've done with the badge that you alluded to, wouldn't it be great if the NRL gave that sort of flexibility? Um, you know, it's to be able weird, to use eh? secondary. Like, like Mason yeah. always says, that these 150-year-old football clubs sort of do whatever they want with their own branding. Yeah, and but not just colour-wise, but, you know, using yeah. a secondary logo or um, even using a heritage logo or elements of a heritage logo would be cool. But mm. um, like I always say, the NRL does the NRL things. So. And last last season, Arsenal had like a heritage number font on their cup kit from 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 an old logo you know in the 90s 80s so that was a, another thing they did is it um just just deviating on that for a minute these clubs own themselves right like they have no real allegiance like it's not like they hold a license to premier league whereas the NRL no. technically own the clubs don't they yeah what I don't I, know if the NRL owns the clubs as much as the AFL does, but in terms of the, the structure around them competing in the comp, um, it's a lot more rigid, infinitely more, more rigid than uh, even looking at super rugby. Um, you know, yet far less hoops to jump through in terms of approvals for products and how many products you're allowed to do and and this and that. Like, It's probably something we could talk about on a topic one um, at mm. one stage how many products you're actually allowed to, the NRL lets a supplier do. Mm. Um, we've got limits on what sort of hats we can make, how many we can actually sell. Uh, and the reason that it's like that is to protect all these other licenses they have. So they don't want us going too crazy with heritage stuff because they've got a proper heritage license that they've got to protect. They don't want us going too crazy with beanies because they've got the, the Burley Seacom license with all the beanies and scarves. So frustrates us uh, to no end but that's I just the way it is I seem to recall it might have been the Sydney Swans when they went through their rebrand there was there was some wording in one of the releases that may have indicated that there's like a two year process to actually get approval to go through and, and rebrand the club so I do wonder whether the NRL or or um even the AFL, if that is actually true or not, or whether it was, it just took two se- you know, two seasons to actually get through. But I do recall something there. And like, so you, you'd say similar about the Titans' recent rebrand. Yeah, or- for sure. Yeah, like that. You know, they'd have to get it all signed off, and then there, may, there might be, you know, someone at the NRL that's doing their own due diligence and even just a, you know, market research point of view to go, hey, is this all gonna work out or are you guys going to decide that it's not the logo you want in 12 months time? Right. Not sure. Just going back to that, um, like ownership thing as well. I think you find a lot with sort of leagues that don't have promotion relegation. You get this kind of franchise, um, mindset coming in where it's, you know, you could almost move the club around like they do in America, whereas these um, English football clubs and, and European ones, they're, they're genuinely just clubs and they could go down to, you know, Division 18 or and, and right up to 
the Premier League if if they wanted. Mm. Um, or to a Super yeah. League. Yeah, the European exactly. Super League. And, you know, the FA Cup, your your Sunday league team can enter that and if they make it to the round you know, round three proper, they're playing against these pro teams. So I quite like the way the European sort of model works where they are just clubs and they have their under eight team and as well as their millions of dollars senior team. One thing I will say is apparently um, UEFA's infamously um, stringent on some of their regulations, right? Like some of the stuff that I see pop up. Their kit rules are ridiculous. They've got, you know, and every year they're changing. One year they'll need a solid back on their jersey so the number's not, um, you know, hidden. And then the next year they'll need the same design on the back and front. So if there's a striped jersey, well, then you've just contradicted exactly what you said last year about having a solid back. Don't have rules about a striped back. Like rules about like reflective badges and reflective sponsor logos and all that sort of hoo-ha as well. In the last few years, you've seen like iridescent logos come in. So um, I suppose they work. Um, And then, yeah, you get rules around different short colors to the team you're playing and you have to have different socks different shorts so there's always about four different combinations of each kit it also come down to the brand awareness of the club too like the gunners can get away with you know simplifying their logo because everyone's gonna know it whereas yeah rugby league teams afl teams in the the bigger market it may not be recognized or do, does it not really matter do you think well the brickleaf dolphins clearly don't care because they think they're big enough to just have a dolphin and <laughs> and have everyone expect to know who they are i think they're the bunnies i don't know I, I think there is a different mindset between franchise and and club sport so um, yeah i think we might be on the money there yeah if you know listeners yeah. reach out someone yeah, probably knows and is banging their head on a desk <laughs> <laughs> Side note, mate, how many tabs have you got open in that screenshot? Oh, mate, God. I've got all our, all our news open and like four for Arsenal, four for Man United. I'm, I'm on the ball, mate. <laughs> Settle down with your whinging about tabs. Keep but going. We'll move on to the, the Man United kit, eh? Another kit of the season. We could probably contender. skip it. Nah, nah, I don't think so. This one's got another nice little design going through the weave. White kit, black, red stripes on the shoulders uh, and then a nice little collar and cuff design with the sort of diamonds and it's a little nod to the 99 uh, away kit that they won the Champions League in so Nick what's the deal with the shield inside the shield oh it's just another little 90s thing right they did it in uh, 07 um, they did it oh when else have they done it they did it in 07 in the 90s, they had it a few times, 94, 99, so um, just something they'd pull out every 10 years or so. What are your thoughts on the collar, the neckline, and the and the um, banding on the sleeves? The banding on the sleeve, I always like a cuff that sort of cuts off with a underarm panel. I always like that look. Uh, and then the V-neck, I think it looks classy. One thing I like about what the football... Uh, world football does is having different collars for different kids. Yeah. So what what you'll see in like the AFL and the NRL 
bar probably, you know, heritage collars, which are back in fashion at the moment, is that your home and away kit is always just the the, the, the kit of... The same pattern. The, yeah, the collar of the time, I guess. Um, whereas, yeah, this is a good example of, you know, Man U's have a completely different home home collar to their away collar, which I think is cool and, you know, gives a bit more personality and another reason yeah. to buy them both. And the um, the pattern itself is exactly the same, the panels, but just the collar shape different. Um, and they always, yeah, they, the collar becomes part of the design. It's not just another panel to colour in navy or whatever. In rounding out the news there, this is uh, dropped from our friends over at RL Jersey's Instagram. They noticed that the Newcastle Knights Women in League jersey just happened to show up on the Newcastle Knights shop without any real <laughs> release or context. So uh, we had a bit of banter off air about that one earlier in the week. A bit underwhelming, is it fair to say? Yeah, good to see that. They designed the actual design of the jersey right under the sponsor, so you can't even see it. Yes, a bit hard when you've got a massive green box right in the, the front, of, yep. front of your jersey, isn't it? I'd probably hate this more than anyone. Um, no doubt we'll do some sort of awards at the end of the year, and this is right up there for the shittest jersey of the year for mine, along with probably that Parramatta jersey, so... What Just what about it? The Parramatta jersey, mate. <laughs> <laughs> serious. What about this one? Do you hate so much? I hate that the shade of pink. I think it's weak. Um, trying to be clever I with don't their, mind that. Try to be clever with their uneven sort of V design, which just looks shit house. And yeah, obviously the big NIB logo on the front doesn't really, you know, do what anyone mine- does either. A mate of mine has an aneurysm every time he sees an asymmetric kit. Are you like that or is no, it just No, I like this one? asymmetric kits. I just think this yep. one's shit ass. Yeah, okay. Nothing I like about it. <laughs> the only points that I'm going to give this jersey is it's a women in league round and it nearly doesn't have pink on it. Like I think surely we're at a point where we don't have to have pink on a women in league jersey, right? Yeah, just have a jersey. Just have Not a jersey. Just... Surely oh, you can woman, tie it. So it has to be pink. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you be doing for a women in league jersey, Mason? I'm not saying know. I disagree with you. <laughs> what I will I say know. is that, that I've dealt with clubs who will insist on having a oh, you know, pink. Yeah. I know. I, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not for a second insinuating that it's the designers that are just going... Let's just put pink on it. I am very well aware. I just think it's it's surely we're at a point where we can get more creative with things rather than just slapping like the Rabbitohs one irks me to no end. I hate that um, one. Red. Yeah. Yeah. Just just swapping out red with pink, and, and I think a lot of clubs or teams do that. Just swapping out a color with another color. I'm not su- you know suggesting that you know. Some some people would be perfectly fine with that, and some people would be completely against it. I just think, from a creative point of view, surely we can you know, we can be celebrating in another way. I don't know what that is right now, off the top of my head. Um, let's come back and revisit it. When is Women in League round? Is that coming up in a couple of weeks? I think it is. Not this weekend, but next potentially. Yeah. So um, yeah, there's not too many clubs who um, still really do it. I'm not sure that. Yeah, I don't know. I think it 
maybe it's time for a more inclusive round, an all-inclusive round of some sort. Everyone in league. Everyone. Everyone. If you always remember, probably a couple months ago now, we talked about the um, France women's home kit for the World Cup. And that's a perfect example of a of a woman's kit. You you had that sort of more swirly, uh, arty design, but it was still the blues, still the reds of France. Very cool. Yeah, I I do slightly remember. I remember liking it. I remember it was yeah. good. Um, yeah, with the rose gold logos and stuff. Mm, that's it. Fun fact: um, the women's the what women identified as the feminine color was actually baby blue or sky blue until I think the mid forties or fifties um, when some famous actress started wearing pink and all of a sudden pink became the feminine color um, before then it was all owned by sky blue. So, you know, maybe we could be chucking some sky blue in there for women in league round. I don't know. Titans and sharks are good then. I liked when, Sydney Roosters, I think all their jersey was was the Steggles logo changed to the names of the players' mothers. Oh, that's sweet. In that same text, though, in the Steggles text. Yeah. Um, something simple like that I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, I dig it. Plenty, plenty of things out there. Was there any late news, anything else that anyone's picked up since we've started recording? I got nothing. Uh, Man United are probably winning by now, but let's get on to the topic. So, Com Games are due to start in a couple of weeks, and our schedule is starting to to pile up. We've got some great episodes on the way, so we're slotting this one in now before we before we miss it. And Nick, you've had the pleasure of actually working on one of the what is it, what are we calling it, a team nation uh, that is participating at the upcoming Com Games which we're going to take a moment to dive into. And we're also going to go and have a, a top-level look back at Com Games as a whole from their creative visual representations uh, and do a quick dive into maybe one or two of the events over the past uh, 20 years. So, Nick, why don't we start with you, mate? Why don't you give us a bit of a rundown of what you were working on and um, how you got to where you were and... Going from there. Yeah, um, so I had the pleasure of working on the the Norfolk Island um, Com Games apparel. They're obviously one of the smallest nations um, competing. I think there's only about ten ten uh, athletes in their in their team, uh, mostly in lawn bowls. Um, so lawn really, bowls. all we had to do for them was um, sort of polos and and tracksuits and stuff, um, bags, caps, that sort of accessory stuff. Um, it was all pretty easy on my end. Uh, they sent through, had their designs all, all ready to go and sent through, and um, I just had to sort of color match to Pantones and redraw elements and, and stuff like that. Um, they've gone with what I guess you'd call partially Polynesian-inspired artwork. Um with a sort of almost dirty bottle green, what would you call that? Olivey kind of color. Sage, maybe not quite sage. Yeah. More, yeah. You'd, olive. Probably the the lighter green would be a sage, and then, um, or like a khaki green, that lighter one. Um, 
and you know a lot of white detail there's plenty going on on the front um and a little bit more subtle on the back um and i don't know if you guys got a chance but there's a few links in there with with the the guys and girls actually wearing it so um they're all happy they look good it was relatively easy on my part but a lot of back and forth in terms of com games guidelines on uniforms which was the difficult part so yeah a couple of questions that i had was around the color matching how did you go actually locking in that green was a bit it's one of those colors that you you may have to trial a few times to get there yeah certainly wasn't one of our standard color swatch colors um yeah back and forth looking at pantones to trialing different colors do we want to be a bit more blue than the pantone is do we want to be a bit more sort of dirty yellow green or but i think um i think we came up with something pretty accurate to to what they wanted on the um on the actual pantone um interestingly the pantone they gave us was completely different to the one on their flag which is why what i've shown you guys there's the sort of more traditional green and then the the dirtier green which um they went for with the flag being in their their nation's green yeah and the back and forth that you had to do around the guidelines was it um was it more the nation itself wanting things that they couldn't do or was it more just around the approval process with well i suppose first of all the approval process did it have to also go through com games yeah yeah it does um so they have to get i think almost we got approval first or sort of the design process came first um and we went through everything i sort of read through all the guidelines and, and knew myself where things had to be um the organizers for norfolk island sort of wanted to go against some of the guidelines and i tried to mm. keep them happy as well as follow follow what i knew com games would would accept and and stuff like that so for example the the game or the the manufacturer logo game on the right sleeve of the jackets um not quite right <laughs> but yep. we got away with it uh and then same with the the central logo on the polos it's meant to be on the right or the left but again they didn't worry too much about that um but from my end the the approval process was pretty easy once i sort of let them know what the guidelines actually were mm-hmm. you weren't dealing directly with a com games representative you were going back through the yeah the, straight the just with just with the committee of the competitor yeah 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 cool happy with it yeah i mean the design wasn't exactly mine so the work i did was just putting it all together but i th- think it's come out all right for, for what they wanted and it's something unique to to them for sure you won't see any other country with probably those colors or similar designs in the pacific but it's still quite unique to that area of the world Mm. Certainly not in long balls. Nah, it's gonna gonna be cool just to see it at the opening ceremony and you know point out to. I'll definitely be looking out for one more country now than I would have been any opening <laughs> <otherwise>. ceremonies. <laughs> yeah. So did you say country? Yeah. What are they? They're like a territory of Australia, aren't they? Just trying They're to wrap my head around. Awesome. Officially a country. I've got some facts for you. Yeah. Uh, it's got a population of just over two thousand. Yeah. It has a postcode 
<laughs> which is that of a New South Wales postcode. Yep. <laughs> 2889, I think. 2899, okay. Uh, to get there, it'll cost you between eight and $900. You can fly directly from Brisbane and it'll take just over two hours. That's cheaper than getting to New Zealand at the moment. I found a 20 cent coin last week. So I've started collecting coins. I found a 20 cent coin. And they did one what for every I? state and territory of Australia. And it was a Norfolk Island coin. But here they are choosing to participate under their own flag at the Commonwealth Games. So all the power to them. Very interesting. Yeah, they've they've got a medal in their history. They've got a bronze medal in lawn bowls. And I think Whoa. they've I think they've um they've competed in another sport as well. It might have been archery. Sorry, Norfolk Island folk if I'm getting that completely wrong. But it was it definitely wasn't sprinting or anything. Norfolk Island folk. Good one. <laughs> so you're in with a shot with having your gear up on the podium with a history. Could be, of... yeah. We'll see. Uh, we'll see if they can pull out some some bowls uh, performances for me. Good luck to them. So on the Com Games, uh, often referred to as the Friendly Games, what is a Friendly Game? It's a B grade version of the Olympics. Is that what it is? <laughs> with only half the world. With only half the world, or or maybe even that, uh, the Com Games were formerly known as the British Empire Games from 1930 to 1950, and then switched to the British Empire and Commonwealth Games from 54 to 66, and the British Commonwealth Games from 70 to 74. Um, they've gone through a few uh, variations on logos as well, which I'm sure you can all find online, and and we'll probably jump into a deeper dive specifically just on the com games itself but the uh the latest iteration has what i guess you could call as three v's um central v uh, symmetrical with uh, all coming to a central point but one italics or slanted to the left or skewed to the left and one skewed to the right to nearly make some sort of podium uh that's the that's the current version of the commonwealth games and, and quite uninspiring when you consider what the Olympic rings is and, and what it means and how simple it is and, and yet the Commonwealth Games can't do much different. If I saw that, I wouldn't even know it was a Commonwealth Games logo, to be honest. No. There you go. No. So uh, quite an uninspiring uh, collection of logos throughout the years. I probably should have sent this through to you. I'll send, see if I can send this through to you now, actually. Um, so, I know I'm off topic, but I, I'm down a bit of a rabbit hole on the run. There was, an, <laughs> there was a <laughs> nation that participated in the 1954 Commonwealth Games called the Gold Coast, which was <laughs> a British colony on the Gulf of Guinea in West Africa. There you go. I think from... The Com Games in 2006 through to 2018, the logos included the old Com Games baton or po podium stand. I should have probably looked at what the official um, title is of that, the old logo there. Um, similar to the Olympic rings is required to sit below the logo or be locked up with the logo itself. Uh, very uninspiring when you compare it to what the Olympics have in their history or their archives. 
Um, and even interestingly, not a lot of colour until we hit Manchester in 2002, where we start to see that trend. Yeah, that's when it turns, right? That's when you start to get the real personality that the Olympic logos obviously hold. You can almost see a, a clear switch in style every 20 years almost. Yeah, is that a New I'm Zealand that, one? Did New Zealand yeah, host? The, the New Zealand one up right up until 98 almost, or yeah. I guess you could argue 94, and then 98 onwards is a clear change, and then everything before New Zealand is, is different as well. Mm. I think that was Christchurch. Um, New, New Zealand is the, the one... Before Victoria, New Zealand is 90, isn't it? Yeah, 74 they hosted, 1950, 1974, and 1990. Okay, so the, right. the NZ, the circle with the stars on the right, and then the like angel foot thing as well. Okay, so that let's... circle with the stars on the right is horrible. It gives me North Korean vibes. It does, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> it's definitely not New Zealand. The NZ, clearly, you could. Tell, it's, but... it's almost a fun game to try and guess what was what. So that NZ one's clear. Then it that has to be a is that a Canadian one after New Zealand? Um, uh, well, that have be seventy eight. Hold on, seventy eight. Yeah, seventy eight. You'd have to guess with the Maple it is. Leaf, eh? Yeah, it is. Yeah. The next Alberta. one, you'd just France? have no idea. <laughs> Who knows? France probably aren't even. No, they're not even Commonwealth. And then is that uh, Scotland after? What do we say? So eighty two. Is Brisbane. Be. Brisbane? Brisbane 82. The one that's yeah. a diamond shape? Or a yeah, okay. triangle, yep. yeah. right. triangular one? Then Scotland, New Zealand. What do you say? Canada? Uh, Canada is 70, yeah, 70, 78. Yeah. And then what's that one? It looks like a CG. Oh, that was Kuala Lumpur. That's all right. I don't remember those games. <laughs> I was three. I don't. And then, I mean, even look back to that, that Gold Coast one's obviously iconic and probably recency, recency bias there, but that's a great logo. That Melbourne 2006 one, that doesn't resonate with me whatsoever. Like, I wouldn't even have guessed that to be the, line, the logo on a lineup. I remember it. We'll, we'll touch on the, the Gold Coast one shortly, actually, but I do remember the Melbourne one being okay at the time and that could just be <laughs> not being exposed to a lot but uh yeah I, I looking back on it now it definitely has dated i think that, Man that manchester one's pretty cool the delhi one's really cool glasgow's kind of shit gold coast is by far the best one so let's actually talk about that for a minute so i'll start with glasgow 2014 so the Glasgow 2014 um, was commissioned by Marquee Creative. The, so the logo was commissioned by uh, Marquee Creative and actually caused a lot of controversy when it was released because that same creative studio was behind uh, another logo um, for a group called the Common Guild or the Arts Group Common Guild, also in Glasgow. And the similarities between the two logos is actually very similar. So I've included a link there for you to have a look at. I think it's the second link on our show notes there. Um, and Oof. if you check out that yeah, one, 
So it caused a lot of controversy at the time. Um, now, I know you guys have probably looked at the show notes there, but how much do you think a Commonwealth Games logo would uh, cost you? What do you reckon, Kit? $2 million. $2 million. I have no conversion in front of me, but uh, the the Glasgow um, Games Commission or whatever, whoever they want to be called um, paid 95,000, is that euro? Uh, pounds. Pounds, sorry, pounds to for that logo there. What's that, about 170,000? Lots, lots of monies. Am I the only one getting Google, Google vibes out of that yeah, logo? A Google ripoff, exactly. So the message behind it, um, the, the Glasgow 2014 Commonwealth Games will be the 20th Games. This is a landmark number that adds to Glasgow's pride in being its host. Yada, 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 yada. The outer ring that encompasses the others is a strong, vibrant red, the official true red of the Commonwealth Games Federation hallet. Uh, there will be 17 sports on the program for Glasgow 2014. The next ring of the brand identity in triumph yellow from the GCF uh, palette represents the number of sports. It's exactly 17th, 20th of the full circle. Uh, Glasgow 2014 will host 11 days of, competi of competition uh, which are represented in the third ring of the band identity rendered in the GCF's heritage blue and making up 11 twentieths of the circle. At the heart of our brand identity is one host city represented by G for Glasgow, meaning dear green place in Gaelic and in a suitably vibrant green. So the logo itself is all centred around... Yeah, I just want to say I've heard some marketing wank in my time, but that might take the cake. <laughs> You like that? 17 twentieths yeah. of a full circle. It is. Here to be entertained. I don't want to fuck a maths lesson. Get, get, your, pro, get your protractor out there. Mate, <laughs> if you can find me. You How many pieces of 720? Find me one person who's used a protractor after year 12. <laughs> and I'll fucking go heave. Who's even like used a calculator since then? Fire out. I think Illustrator would do it for you, right? I don't think you exactly. actually need to. Yeah. I haven't written an essay once since high school. The logo was inspired by three factors, time, data, and measurement. Its rings are proportioned to represent the 20th Commonwealth Games across 17 sports over 11 days in one city, as, uh, as I had mentioned just before with all of those details. So... As we've as we've joked, a whole lot of marketing jargon um, for an un unimpressive logo. I think some of the brand collateral wasn't too bad. Um, some of the pictograms, some of the the flags and stuff like that. Um, but overall, yeah, uninspiring. And then flicking over now to four years later, we look at. Gold Coast 2018. Now, doing my research, there was uh, not a lot actually that I could find um, regarding the the brand release for this. Uh, what I could find, it was done by a comp uh, design agency called White Kite. Um, uh, no, a bit about White Kite actually. They work with the NRL and have worked on a. Um... 
a lot of the NRL, NRL rebrands and probably a lot of the club rebrands as well. So they're quite a, a prominent uh, agency in Sydney. They're, they have a website. They're heavily, I think they are a design agency based on sports, uh, but on their website, they didn't really have any uh, portfolios or anything like that. It's all just, I guess they're all down hard at work and not really marketing themselves, are they? They're worried about marketing everyone else. So the Gold Coast 2018 emblem was launched on the 4th of April in 2013, which I think was uh, five years, actually. What's that? 13, 14, yes. yeah, five years before the, the Com Games in, on the Gold Coast. It was unveiled at the Southport Broadwater Parklands. It was designed by New South Wales-based brand consultancy white kite as we mentioned um the emblem is inspired by gold coast stunning beachside location its iconic skyline and the colors are representative of the coast the hinterland and the celebratory atmosphere which is synonymous with the region centered up uh, centered upon fluid representation of a gymnast a hurdler and a swimmer the emblem reflects the game's deep heritage and humanity evoke that with you when you look at that logo i feel very human absolutely unbelievable humanity i think it must be said the text is quite terrible right like we can all agree on that yeah it's it's playful but it's it's all it's that kind of text you always see from these kind of competitions right yeah i quite like it i'm a big fan of the text nah not for me I'm afraid. <laughs> and that's why we're all human and we all have opinions. Everything's relative. Where I think the... the uh, personally, I, I like the concept of the logo. I think the execution for me is... Uh, I feel like it's not quite there. I, I can't really put my finger on what it is. But where I do think the logo shines is in its animated form. Um, and we've included a link there in the episode description. And that's that's where you see it most most of all these you know in the modern age right is is on tv and on those opening sequences of of the telecasts i'm going to spend the entire rest of the evening looking through logo histories of the the biggest tournaments in the world like the fifa <laughs> world cups and um cricket world cups and stuff i just know it football is another interesting one eh? they've sort of in the last 20 years as well gone for this similar style of Real colourful and playful and, and bright, sort of. Yeah, I reckon we can do a deep dive on that later in the year to coincide with yeah, with that. There we go, Craig. We've got three things to add to the list, mate. If you've got your pen, fuck's sake, what do we not pay you for? <laughs> you, you don't even do your proper job half the time, big man. <laughs> oh, big man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's three things that we can add to the list to uh, talk about down the line now, keeping a tally there. Um, yeah, I think I think that that trend has, has definitely come in over the last 20, maybe even 30 years of um, of all those bright colours coming together. I think it's a it's an inclusive type thing, not not necessarily in the, the gender conversation, but all nations coming together, all walks of life all coming together. I think that's where a whole lot of that colour um, comes from. Yeah, and I think to really push the whole festival vibe of the, the events, right? Mm, Having yeah. fun, the inclusivity, the 
the whole celebration aspect. Not to bury, not to bury the lead, but um, some of these football ones are awesome. When you're looking back, even going back into the thirties, <laughs> they're so pictorial and such a snapshot of the the art movement at the time. So I'm really looking forward to digging into to some of those later yeah. in the year. We've got to do a top level and then we've actually really got to dive deep in some of them. I think like even just going through this, the Glasgow one, there's so much more story to tell there and so much more to break down. But, you know, it's its own episode in itself, to be fair. Gee, that Birmingham one's just tragic, isn't it? Yes. I didn't have even you guys no. have you guys looked into the Birmingham one? <laughs> I know the I understand the the connection between the lines. It's all the different stadiums, right? So all of the angles or the changes. Is that what it is? A different yeah, stadium. So I'll read the little blurb that they've given it. Um, I'll go on then. Yeah, the logo mark represents everyone that will come together and bring Birmingham twenty twenty two to life. It's the neon thread that binds the West Midlands by connecting key locations across the region. Um, because we're in a community from every Commonwealth nation and territory within the Midlands. When we connect the region, we're also pulling the Commonwealth together, uniting to create a unique celebration of human potential. So, yes, just words, isn't it? Seems legit. So, so as designers, <laughs> we've we've all probably had those moments where you, you latch onto something as the underlying, underlying theme of a design. Mm-hmm. And you really, really, really want that to work. You're like, yep, yeah, let's try and create a shape that links between all the places. And the further you get into it, you're sort of struggling to make something that works. And um, I, I know it happens to me. And sometimes yeah. it, it takes you to sort of step back and go, you know what? That was a cool idea, but let's just move on to something else. It almost feels like these guys, um, you know, d- didn't get that opportunity to step away yeah. and go, yeah, the meaning's cool and, you know, it's a cool story to tell, but the logo is shit ass. like <laughs> on, on to the next one. Yeah, yeah. You, you always shelve something for a little bit, eh? And then two days later you might hit, a, hit on something in another idea that links back to that idea and, and there you go and you're off. But Yeah, you come back on Monday morning and you're like, oh, oh shit, is that what that looks like? All right, no, 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 no. Bit love drunk. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly yeah, it, what it is, right? It just it it is, <coughs> excuse me. It really is just a stretch. Like you're stretching too hard. Uh, I think it's okay. Like as a designer, it's your conscience, right? You 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 have this great idea, and you're like, Fuck yeah, this is gonna change the world. And you, as you said, you start to pencil it down. Oh, it's not quite working. Do I tweak this? Do I tweak that? I think at some point, you, your ego gets in the way as a designer, and you need to kind of go, no. I recognize this is not working. Um, and you can put it down and come back two years later, you know, ha- have a yeah. have a treasure box of things that don't don't work this time that you put in a safe, you when you're having writer's block or you're having designer's block or whatever you want to call it, you go to that treasure chest and pull it out and go, Oh, oh shit, yeah, this this actually might work for this item, you know, two, three, four, five years down the line. I know yeah. that's happened with me. Well, that's something, eh? You always get told as a designer, your your design's never finished. You just sort of give up on it. Funny you say that because I remember joining Classic and getting that advice from uh, one of the designers that was above me, saying that yeah, you know, don't, you know, nothing's wasted. Hold on to everything. Blah blah blah. I remember thinking at the time, like, no, that's not, you know, that's not ethical. We need to be giving everyone bespoke designs, and we can't be recycling anything. And once it's done, it's done. And 
Now I look back you know, eight years later, however long it is, and the amount of things that don't quite work, but you'll take that element five years later and turn it into something awesome. Like it's just, it really is endless. It's an evolutionary thing. I, I know I, I hear about it all the time, particularly in like movies and TV shows where you've, you've got, you know, if, if you're a fan of a director or a writer or something like that, and you know, they've, they've tried this concept or this element in this movie or this, this TV series or even this season and it hasn't quite worked. And then you go and watch another piece of their work later down the line and you're like, ah, that's a better execution of that same concept. I I much like the way that it's been presented this time around. Even music is another one. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Nice little tangent we went off on. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think we've got to wrap it up anyway. As I said, I'd really like to go and do a deep dive singularly into some of these these com games logos and there's so many stories to tell within there and i think we just need to do it just by um by giving them the space and the time to present them properly and um even full topics out of them even if we broke it into just periods of time like a six-year part in time a piece you know piece in time where we go, okay, this event, this event, this event was on. Let's have a look at what the logos were like. Let's have a look at some of the art styles at the time and, and do a bit of a deep dive that way. I think it'd be really cool to see how that all sits amongst amongst itself. Yeah, yeah. Well, as you say, like it's it's pretty obvious and clear here without even doing the research on it. There was a black, uh, not a black, there was a, a royal or navy red and white theme that carried on from, you know, 74 through to what is it, uh, 98, um, you know, something was being enforced there from, from Com Games mm. to keep it with the, the British Empire's um, yeah. colours. So, and you look yeah. at it and it's, it is almost exactly 20 years for each style in the sort of lineup there. Mm. So yep. 2026, look out. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, we should keep moving because you uh, you need to see this game, Nick, before... Pre-season's important, mate. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So we'll, we'll head on over now to the mailbag. You can send us an email at fieldofdesignpodcast.gmail.com or send us a message, comment, or tag us via Instagram at fieldofdesignpodcast. What are your thoughts on today's episode? Have we missed some things around Glasgow Warcom games that you know about? Please let us know. Um, has Nick missed any of the European football kit drops? Uh, just note that we're recording this podcast a, a bit earlier this week, so there may be some things that have dropped towards the end of the week that we have missed and we will cover um, in our next episode. Um, this is from... Ben Searle 13 regarding uh, our post on the Liverpool FC kit that was uh, dropped last week. Nobody works harder in the industry than the copywriters who have to come up with the narratives for these kit designs. Great comment. That's that's what we're just talking about, eh, with marketing spin. And um, on, uh, which one was this? Uh, This was just on our post regarding last week's episode. Loving the pod, guys. Totally blasphemous to mention Melbourne Heart and not discuss Hartford Whalers from 1979 onwards. That's from Sean Castellin. Is that how you pronounce that? Sean, let us know. Uh, And he also... 
<laughs> is that the um the ice hockey team? It is, yeah. Yeah, yep. I was thinking about thinking about it. Similar negative spaces of Melbourne Heart as he's as he's alluding to. So yeah. good call. That is a nice logo though. There's always more episodes for us to come back and, and touch on them. Well, also from it. also from Sean, uh Butte story about the FA logo, the Palmer Era one. It was placed as the main sponsor on Adelaide United's home kit for the Asian Champions League 2012 campaign. At the last minute, the FFA caught wind of it and threatened all sorts of um of they went ahead and got the Asian Football Confederation to ban them wearing it. Wow. They wore the black away kit at home after it all went down in the hours before the first match. The rest of the campaign, they wore the home kit with a huge plain red vinyl transfer covering Palmer's logo. We've got to find a photo of that. Sean, if you've got a photo of that, um, send it through and we'll pop it up on the Instagram for you, mate. That 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 little story signifies football in Australia pretty well, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And uh, your mate, Kit, D-Roy. D-Roy, what did D-Roy say? Colt 45s is still a massive is still massive in Ouston. So many people still wearing that merch. Pretty sure Astros release these items every now and then. Well, hey. somebody does. Is, is D-Roy triggered by that pronunciation? Hope you did that on purpose, mate. Did. <laughs> Just testing. Yeah, it is um it is one I've seen around quite a bit like the Oilers the old boys always wearing it and and stuff like that. Yeah, he would have a he would have a fair few um to bring to the party at some point, wouldn't he, Kit? Absolutely. Where did he play? Uh, University of Houston, I think. Oh, there you go. Pretty sure. Um, we also got a Instagram message from our friend Jersey Tragic. Uh, goes on to basically ask, how does the financial relationship work between the apparel provider and pro team? Who pays who? Does the apparel company give percentage cut to the club or vice versa? Um, we could probably spend a little bit of time on this. I'm not sure if it'd be a full topic, but to summarize it in, you know, a few words, basically a club will go to tender, take bids from three, four, five different suppliers. Now that bid will, uh, obviously be a cash amount in the X amount of hundreds of thousands of dollars. And there'll also be a contra component, which is typically a similar price um so it could be you know three hundred thousand dollars in cash and three hundred thousand dollars in contra which the club uses to keep themselves out and their lower grade you know development squads and stuff like this um you know there's also other little triggers like bonuses for the club succeeding and making finals and winning winning a premiership because obviously that means that the supplies making more money um so yeah, that's essentially how it goes. It's it's uh it's not a cheap process. Um you know, not to not to cry foul or anything, but you know, the suppliers out, outlay that amount of money and then um you gotta try and recoup it somehow. So, you know, that's why our jerseys are hundred and sixty dollars and you you're trying to make your money back and as well as that you're paying a cut to the NRL and to the club and Rebel Sports take their half, so uh, yeah, everyone's got their fingers in the pie. Working yes. at that NRL level kit, I suppose 
that's almost not your profit, but the the benefit of it is the sort of next tier down, the club tier, seeing that brand out there and going, oh yeah, that's a reputable brand. Let's let's use that in the sort of community sport. Yeah, well, uh, a lot of suppliers, depending on their um, manufacturing situation, um, it's basically viewed as a marketing yeah. cost, really. You know, as as you know, there was a time where you'd make money out, out of this sort of stuff easily, but with how competitive the market is, um, the, how the Aussie dollar's gone in the last fifteen years or whatever, um, freight costs and all that, it just it just gets harder and harder. So a lot of lot of suppliers, like you said, would just view that as marketing costs, especially the big boys like your Pumas and and whatnot. And I know switch over to sort of Europe and Man United's kit deal it was 10 years 750 million pounds from Adidas so 75 million a year and they they'd lose money if they don't make the Champions League so there's so, those sort of benefits in it um, and I know clubs like to sell their jerseys on their own website rather than on your Pro Directs or you know your Rebel Sport website because then they're cutting out that middleman and they they get all the profit rather than giving the the retailer the the cut of their pie as well. Like every great podcast advertiser, cutting out the middleman. If you're uh, obviously if you're selling a jersey at 160 bucks at Rebel, um, they're buying it off you for probably 80 bucks. So you know, yeah. clearly you want to be selling off your your store and, and keeping your that own website. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I mean. One thing which a lot of people don't realise is that, you know, your ASICs and your Pumas and, and stuff like that, they've got an advantage over people like us anyway because they've got the boot component. Um, you know, that's usually tied in as well. And even if it's not tied in, they get the marketing angle from that as well rather than someone like us who, you know, we're relying on hopefully getting those grassroots team wear, you know, trickle-down sales. So Yeah, there's a, a big difference between the sort of brands. So you go out and you'll buy a Puma shirt, whereas mm. some of the sort of that next tier down of brands where you're not buying, you know, a Castor shirt, you're buying a a Western Eagles, you know, a, a an Eagles jersey rather yeah. than, than just a shirt like, yeah. like you'd be wearing an Adidas shirt. You jump online and all the comments are, oh, why can't we go with Puma and well, why couldn't we go with Nike? And um, a lot of the time it's not all it's set out to be. You get designers who are international. They don't know much about your brand, nor do they care. You're such a small, you know, a small part of their greater business. You're just a, a small club in a small country in the, you know, down the bottom of the globe. Um, you know, a you lot of back, the time, sorry, yeah, Kit, a no. lot of the time, uh, the Australian market isn't actually the brand itself. Um, but I know the Nike stuff for Big Bash is not, you know, not there is a company, I can't remember the name of it, that's just paying a license to use the tick on their gear. Yeah. Um, similar with, with Puma. With Puma's the some, same. Some of the teams in Australia, yeah, they've got a Puma brand on them, but it's not actually from Puma factories or it's not from, you know, Puma itself. It's just a company that's paying the license to be able to utilize Puma in Australia. It's a bit yeah. like um, New Balance do a similar thing, don't they? New Balance is the same, yeah. Yeah. New Balance is Belgravia in Australia. So, 
I mean, at the end of the day, you're paying for the logo, right? We could we could go down that rabbit hole and argue that uh, what's the difference between paying for a legit Louis Vuitton and for a fake Louis Vuitton? No one's going to know if if it's got the the logo on it. And the same is said here. But um, you know, I think yeah, it's also something that some people don't realize is it's just a contract with a company, and then that company has the right to use said logo. I guess if I put my my supporter hat on and think about what I want my, my club, who I want my club to be going through, what I want their gear to be standing for and looking like, I guess, you know, quality is obviously number one. Like you're, you want to be buying good quality. Um, you don't want your club to be made by Castor and <laughs> getting dog <laughs> shit. Um, but for me, like I'd love my club to be done by a team you know, preferably Australian-based, who, who knows the club's DNA, knows how to bring out the club identity. Like, you know, what Seacom seemed to be doing with the Fremantle Dockers, as much as I, you know, hate Frio, um, you know, they're ob- obviously pushing for that heritage angle and, and, you know, they obviously know a bit about the club. They're not some brand like Under Armour who's over in Europe or America mm. or wherever they bloody are and get given think- a brief and a colour and a brand guidelines and then just bit out generic sort of design so i think you'll actually find that um you're probably on one side of the fence there i think being in the industry um you're probably seeing it from one perspective i would argue and even when Fremantle announced that they had gone with Seacom for their supplier there are a lot of frio fans going why couldn't we sign with a nike why couldn't we sign with an under armor why couldn't we sign with a puma um, there would be a lot of fans that just want to align themselves with the, what you what you could class as the big boys, uh, the big kids in the park, the 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 premium brands, the the, yep. the big US. Um, so, uh, uh, but I have to agree yeah. with you. Like Seacom's done a pretty fantastic job with Frio from from what I can see from the outset, and they've also helped out the guys down the road too. <laughs> <laughs> without you know really saying it like car stores may have gone knocking on some some doors for some help i mean um cotton on and geelong are probably the same i'm not sure if you guys saw the 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 heritage guernsey that they did recently but that actually printed the woolen effect throughout the mm. um they'd yeah. done embroidered logos on the on-field kit they'd um sublimated a fake patch on the back you know, yeah, with a drop shadow as well to make it look like yeah. it was sewn on. Um, yeah. It was a real, authentic, well, I was going to use the word authentic then, but not authentic, but it was a real touch of detail, a point of difference. It, to me, it was made with love. You wouldn't get, yeah. no, if, yeah. you were, if you were with an Under Armour or if you were with a, whoever it was. That's why you see those template designs quite often at the very highest level. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. They don't have that time to go into every single club and give them something. Was it Puma during the one of the World Cups who just spat out all those wide away? Yeah, kids? and then Nike in twenty sixteen with the the sort of they just regurgitated the same pattern with different colours for each country. Yeah, there was n- nothing that related to each country in them. I, I, I'm I'm a fan of what Puma's doing in this space, Puma in quotations, because like you said, it's not Puma, Puma, but... TLA, um, I think it is. Is it? T- do you know? I think sure, it's TLA. Right. But um, 
but yeah, like you've said, fans will, will will cry that and say that they want the big boys and stuff. And then you look at what Nike did to Carlton a few years ago, where they basically just gave up. And I think they were heat pressing numbers and logos and stuff on an AFL guernsey uh, on just a navy blue guernsey, and they were co- coming off during the game. And I think they ended up getting their shorts made from somewhere else. And you could just tell that they checked out and gone, you know, bugger it, just such a small sport. Who cares? So. Um, yeah, I guess that's it. We'll each have our different opinions. That's just how I feel. I'd love someone who gets your club, you know, takes the time to to find out about your club's history and you know this and that. So yeah, US does it well. Like you, you look at the US basketball; they've got strong relations with. Uh, I think they're with Nike at the moment, aren't they? Like, geez, that's another. Craig, add this one to the topic as well, mate. Um, You know, you look at. (laughs) Craig, that was rude. (laughs) You, um, I think when we when the Miami Heat stuff first started coming out, you know, there was a few behind the scenes stuff of the the team at Miami working with the the Nike team to come up with the concepts and produce the concepts, you know, two, three years out. And um, um, so, yeah, when, you, when you've got a US-based Nike team and, and obviously the US-based basketball teams, having those close relationships and being able to work together, I think, yeah, you, you're in a much better place than what you would be just by having a, an account manager that's halfway around the world going, yeah, nah, we don't have time for this. You can you can have what you're given. I remember, and obviously we need to wrap this up soon, but um, when I was working on Redcliffe Dolphins at Classic when I first moved over to Sydney, I remember spending hours and hours and hours just looking up the history of Redcliffe and all their memorable moments and all the key figures and, you know, and I actually jumped on a Wayback Machine. That's what you call them, eh? Those internet Wayback yep. Machine. And I found the minutes from their first ever meeting where the club was launched. And I sublimated those minutes in the back back of their jersey. Um, like things like that to me. What a froth at that. But, oh, they frothed yeah. it. They loved it. Yeah. It was, <laughs> <laughs> like that. that's the sort of stuff that I pride myself on. Um, obviously, time dependent and this and that. But... It's those little touches that you're not getting from the big boys who just want to template everything and and whatnot. So, yeah. Uh, And so circling back around to the original question, uh, similar scenario, um, you know, from my experience in the netball space as well, obviously the NRL is a a bigger pool, uh, bigger party, um, but details are all, you know, similar. We're paying the clubs is, is the short answer. Yeah, whether it's through money or whether it's through contra, contra being products mm. um, through the you know the, the top level team and then trickling down to to other elements from B grade teams or whatever else and other collateral. Yeah. Okay, we really should wrap this up. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed today's oh, yeah. episode. I think we had a lot of fun. Um, Please come back. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, we'll be here every week till the end of the year, unless we don't leave. <laughs> unless we are completely pooped, um, which does happen from time to time. Um, as I said, please subscribe and feel free to share the podcast. We are growing. Um, we have a few more plans, and we have a, an exciting guest due to sit in next week and to continue getting guests. 
we need the numbers to continue growing and for the activity to keep growing online as well. So I'd love to, um, to hear your comments, hear your emails, see your emails, um, share our posts, get the conversation going. Um, we want to give you more insider knowledge into what's happening in the sports creative and jersey industry. The only way to do that is um, to get the listenership up. So feel free to share and uh, don't forget to leave us a review and some stars on your Five. preferred pod. Whoa, he wants to get out of here. Jesus He's got a game to watch <laughs> on your preferred podcast app. Thank you so much, Kit, with a capital K. Thank you Thank so much, you. Nick, with a capital N. No worries. And we shall chat again next week. Well, we'll chat. We'll chat during the week, but people can listen to us chat next week. Yeah. Do listening, people. And go Crystal Palace. Ha, ha, ha.